The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net, where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon, and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Liz Hayes. Liz is the co-host of Karma's My Bitch podcast that explores how taking a spiritual perspective to life issues, including relationships, sex, and dating can heal how we approach life. In addition to being an author and podcaster, she is also a professional expat who has moved across four continents over a span of 17 years. Hello, Liz. Thanks for being here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here with you, especially because you're in my hometown. <laughs> yeah. Like I get a nice little San Diego connection. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's like local speaking with each other, though you are definitely not local. You're in a whole different country, <laughs> which is <laughs> and which time is awesome. zone. Yes, and time yeah, zone. Yep. So we had to get really creative with our scheduling. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, thank you so much oh for gosh, being so accommodating. Of course. I'm thank you for coming on the show. I'm I'm so pleased to have you. Thank you. And I want to thank a former guest and mutual friend, Lisa Florida, for connecting us. You guys would have to go back and listen to Lisa's episode. She's the documentarian, and she talks about the incredible healing and session that she had with you, Liz. And it was so funny because as she was talking, Mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, Liz's ears must be burning because here we are (laughs) talking about her on the podcast, (laughs) and she has no Uh clue. And now here you are. So... How exciting. Yeah. I know. Yay. Thank you. So yeah. Liz, and that intro was a ton of fun. And I would definitely want to get into the aspects and elements within that intro. Would you like to, from your own words, tell us a little uh-huh. bit more about you and what it is that you do? That's a lot because, <laughs> well, at the moment, I am currently with my podcast partner. We have written several books over the past couple of years about the topics that have come up throughout our podcast. And we, our podcast is broken up into seasons. So every season is about 20 to 25 episodes. So the first several seasons we've covered karma. Obviously our podcast is karma is my bitch. So we talk about how to make karma your bitch. I could talk about the principles of karma later because you said you wanted to talk about my practice and stuff. So the current seasons that we're focused on are magic, how to facilitate magic in our everyday lives. And so we've already written a couple of books about magic. And then the third bit of our name is bliss. So it's karma, magic, bliss, KMB. 
we haven't yet gotten to bliss yet because we still got to work through magic. But right now we're working through all the karma books that we've written and we're currently editing them and preparing them for publishing, which we'll be doing around September of this year. Yeah. So look out yeah. for that. Oh my gosh. You, you're right. You are busy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's fantastic. And then when I'm not doing that, we're recording the podcast, but we do record quite in advance and then we just bank them and then publish as we go along. And I've also written, I'd say 14 books in erotic romance. So that was my other iteration when I was living in New York City before moving here to London. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's so. amazing. I mean, 14 <laughs> books and counting. That's incredible. So the magic. Yeah. I actually am really yeah. glad that you brought that yeah. up because recently I have mm-hmm. been thinking a lot about magic oh, okay. as far as like how much more power we do have and the ability to mm-hmm create or Mm -hmm. manipulate like in a good way, or I don't know, like, can you define magic from your perspective? Now I got to really think about this (laughs) because right now my head's been in karma for like the past few months. (laughs) I was like, magic, what did we say about magic? (laughs) Ask me anything about anything you want about karma. I'm good. I'm like, magic. So magic is that which we can conjure or create that comes from a place of joy. Magic itself is not an essential to our lives. It is, as we like to describe it, the cherry on the sundae. You're still going to enjoy the ice cream. You still got great things, but sometimes it's just really nice to have the sprinkle or the cherry. And that's the beauty of magic. Yeah. So it's, I don't know in what capacity you've been hearing about magic. I know that that word's starting to get floated around spiritual circles a bit, but I'd argue that a lot of what people think is magic is actually not. It's just simply flow. But because most people haven't experienced flow in their everyday lives because they're so used to a karmic reality, which is like when the other shoe is going to drop or it gets good until it gets bad. So people are so used to life being so like this that when you kind of experience more of this, you think, well, it's a miracle. Uh, I see. Yeah. It's magic. It must be because somehow I couldn't have possibly gotten to this point without something extraordinary happening. When the reality is, it's just likely you've burned out some of your karma and you have found some of this. Got it. Okay. And that's what we just call flow. Got it. Got it. So yeah. yes, let's talk about karma. Now, one of the things that okay. Lisa, now her ears must be burning. <laughs> Lisa. Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> on, her, on her episode was how she went to you and you helped her uh-huh. with karma that she came into in this life. Mm-hmm. Can you talk more about that, please? Okay. Okay. Now I just said, I know a lot about karma and then like my brain just flops. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> principally, karma is something that we carry into this lifetime and it is all about healing the trauma, the separation the idea that I and God are not one. Mm. And so mm. often that trauma occurs in a past lifetime in which we had in that point of trauma experienced what we would call separation. And separation is what our immediate world, our 3D world is built upon, right? So everything we experience, the tensions we have in our personal relationships, our intimate relationships, family, or even our relationship to work or purpose, it could be so many ways in which we experience what we call our karmic story. Now, ultimately, we have a karmic theme. And that karmic theme is going to govern how that story plays out. Effectively, like for some people, they're going to carry a number of karmic 
issues into this lifetime. It wouldn't be more than seven. What I've noticed is that younger and younger, most people either they don't have any or they have minimal. But what I also have noticed in this practice of mine is that most people carry a theme. So even if their issues don't seem very present, their lives might be governed by a particular theme. And it's always one of seven themes, which is I am unlovable. I am undeserving. I am not worthy. I am not perfect. I am broken. I am evil. And I am nothing. And those themes are the ways in which we experience our core fear of I am not good enough. And that fear defines what Ray and I, we call it a karmic story, which is how it all plays out through our lives and how we interact with others, how we respond and react to situations. And until we can burn out that karma, we're just going to find ourselves in the constant loop of the story. Why can I never get the job I really want? Why can I never get past the first date? Why is my family life such shit? Yeah. Why am I always in debt? There's just all those whys that it keeps us looping through. So people come to me and they're experiencing a particular obstacle or block. We're going to sit down and we're going to look at, well, what is the karma here? And once we do, there's a simple process for releasing it and we move on. What Ray and I will be offering are modules for people to be able to do it for themselves. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. Very excited because you can reach so many more people that way. Yeah. 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 We hope to. Yeah. Can I ask, Mm -hmm. what does it look like to learn what your karmas are and then to release them? Like in a session, is it like a guided meditation or... Oh, okay. So it's not a meditation. So I practice a craft called soul memory. And the master teacher of soul memory is Ellen Kaufman Dosick, who is based not far from you in Carlsbad. Actually, La Costa. Yeah. Yeah. She's super great. I met her many years ago. I was actually 19, which is very long ago. (laughs) Yes. The moment I met her, I was like, (laughs) I'm going to do what you do one day. I just knew. When you sit down and you do a soul memory session or you sit down and you do one of our modules, it's just effectively a session for you and a conversation with guidance. And I'm just merely the facilitator. Mm -hmm. We're just talking. Mm -hmm. There's no meditation. There's no hypnosis. It's quite simple. That's really amazing. And the process of releasing, is that rather Mm -hmm. simple as well? Very simple. Very simple. Some people might have emotional responses, depending on how deeply they've held the karma, or if it comes up through a past lifetime where, say, some past life is described and it resonates very deeply, or it just they have certain clicks where they think, oh, that explains my reaction to this, or this explains this relationship I've had to so-and-so, and I've never understood why. Sometimes it just fills in certain blanks to questions that we've long held perhaps forgotten at some juncture, but it still resides somewhere in our bodies. But really, once it goes, it can just, it goes quite rapidly. So like you said, it's rather quote unquote, easy process. Like it's not a terribly involved process, but are we just not having the right conversations? Is that why we're not just figuring out what our karma is and then just releasing it? Yeah, no, honestly, that is a really great question because I think we were just kind of looking at that chapter today where it is, you know, we always say it's quite simple, but it's not easy. So much of what keeps us from really healing our karma or leading lives that are satisfying and meaningful or purposeful has to do with our inability to face ourselves 
and be honest with ourselves. And often that has to do with feelings of powerlessness effectively, where we just don't feel that we have the capacity to change anything. Or we're so down some road that if we turn back now, everything that we feel like we've built or worked for will fall apart and we don't know if we could ever manage it. So people really don't realize what they're capable of because they haven't tried very Got hard. It. That makes sense. And it's not to say people haven't worked hard at it. I'm not trying to say, I don't, I certainly don't mean that. I think Rhea would shoot me if, I, <laughs> if she heard me say that really, because we're always sold. You have to work harder. This isn't working because you haven't done enough. And that's really not fair to people because they do work hard. Sometimes they just don't know which way to go. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so dealing with our issues can feel like just climbing that mountain of sand where you're never making progress because everything's always crumbling. And this is why we started the podcast. If you really take the broadest perspective possible, which is the spiritual perspective, where it's not just, it's about my father abandonment or my mommy issues, but if you could really take it to the largest perspective possible, which is what is my relationship to God? How do I see God? Because fundamentally, when we can grasp what that relationship means to us is when we can really start to transform every other relationship we have and actually elevate it. And that's where we experience real wow. healing. Well, there's some pretty deep questions, yeah. but like you said, they're easy to ask, but it's <laughs> yeah. not easy to think about, or maybe not even easy to come up with the answer. I imagine having some help with a facilitator can yeah. really help to dig into the answer. I think so. because, And I think it helped that when I was in my teens, I had a few mentors. And so I found that a bit easier relative to explore those questions a bit so I could come into those answers for myself. And ultimately, that's what we're all needing to do is we need to come into the answers for ourselves. We can't keep going to other people to tell us what the answer yeah. is and how yeah, to view right. the world and how to see ourselves. Ultimately, we have to hold that. And that's mm. really difficult because yeah. we are constantly seeing ourselves through yeah. the lens of other people. You know, we keep putting our identities and defining ourselves according to what other people are telling us we should be, which doesn't help. I think we just lose ourselves over and over again. Sure, sure. Do you ever have clients that have to come back and do it again? Or does it really, once it's released, it's released? <laughs> oh, once it's released, it's released. It's done. Okay. But like I said, for some, they might come in with a few issues. And so once mm -hmm, one mm -hmm. comes up, it leaves room for the other one to come Got up. It. Sometimes people come and will release two or three at a time, never more than three. That'd be exhausting. It's a lot to process. But usually it's just one and then done, two and then done. But it's most people who come to see me, it's all, it's just one session and it's enough. And if they do have something else, it'll just be at a later date, but it's definitely not one of those practices where people would come to me weekly or monthly. Just doesn't work that way. People need to go live their lives. That's definitely the objective is just to release people into the wild <laughs> like so they can not just live freely <laughs> and make their own choices. Well, I want everybody to be self-reliant. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. 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 We're such a codependent society. It's really creating so much disease in the world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. And I feel like there's a time and place for codependency. Is there? <laughs> I mean, I think it depends. I definitely think it depends. I'm like, mm, you sure about that? <laughs> I mean, not. I, yeah. I'd have to think of why, but I also... <laughs> I, yeah, I, I kind of feel like interdependence, perhaps, but maybe codependence would worry me. Codependence as in like, I can't do this without you sort of thing versus 
interdependence. Yeah. Let's do this Can't together. Do without yeah. You. Okay. No, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Maybe yeah. that's what like I meant. This would be cooler with you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. With you, not yeah. because I have to have you. Yes. I. Yeah. I like that too. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I like that too. Thank exactly. you. So you source yeah. me. Let's not do that. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. I love that. <laughs> Been enough lifetimes of yeah, that. Right. So I love that, and I love the idea of making people <laughs> self reliant. I feel like that's really the goal here. Same with like psychic mediumship, you know, you don't Mm. want the person to rely on you to connect with Mm -hmm. their loved ones all the time. Like they can do it too. So I think teaching them about that, teaching about intuition, teaching about what you teach as well. I think it's all to help people Mm -hmm. to realize that they're Mm -hmm. fully capable to do this. Yeah. And do you teach mediumship? Well, I teach people how they can connect with their spirit guides. Like that's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay. And I feel like some of it is similar, at least it has been for me, connecting with past loved mm-hmm. ones as well. So for it's sure. a similar process. It so is. in essence, teach one, it kind yeah. of helps cover the other. Yeah. But yeah, it's more for like the very beginner level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I agree. I think an open connection is an open connection, really. It's yeah. vibrationally different, right? Connecting with mm-hmm. loved mm-hmm. ones versus guidance and stuff. It's vibrationally different. But again, establishing the connection is the key. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's funny because when I do my readings, I actually just did one this past weekend uh-huh. and I usually do my readings to connect with guides. But in this case, I had a past loved one as well. And mm-hmm. I could tell because the way that I see it mm-hmm. is the guides are usually on the person's left, mm-hmm. my right. And if it's another entity outside of that, they're on the sitter's right, my left. Okay. And so I saw her with her guide and that's usually how I start my sessions. That's how I know, okay, we're connected, we're in. But then I was like, but who's this person <laughs> on her right? But I got the sense that it was, I couldn't tell if it was like higher self or like past loved one or what. So I learned more as I actually then spoke with her. That was me sitting in the power preparing for the reading. I wasn't even in the session with her yet. Mm -hmm. And so when I got in the session with her, I was able to Mm -hmm. confirm who that was. And I had done a reading before too, where the entity was actually the goddess of astrology, which was really, really cool because I had not heard of, well, I mean, maybe there is a a Greek god. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that this was the (laughs) goddess of astrology that I... (laughs) resonated with the sitter. I was going to say, sometimes you don't even have to know or really be that no. clear. As long as it clicks with the person, you're like, it's yes. so-and-so. And then they're like, yeah, I feel that. Yes. And you're like, well, it was yeah. so crazy because I saw her guides where I normally uh-huh. do. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, who is this? And it was definitely yeah. like goddess vibes, not yeah. like a past love Which, one. Which by the way, I don't know if your audience knows or your listeners, it is a way different vibration. Everything you're describing in these people, (laughs) you know, the deities have a very different vibration and energy to guidance, right? Yeah. And it's all so different and distinct, but most people really don't quite grasp that. Yes. Luckily for me, they show me there's a difference by where I see them. Yes. (laughs) Otherwise, it's hard for me to, I mean, anyway. And what was significant (laughs) for that particular reading was that she came in, Mm -hmm. she had so many questions about her path with working with astrology. And I didn't know that. And so for me to be like, I've got the astrology goddess here and just me sharing whatever it was, it answered all her questions that she came in with. It was just so cool. So 
Does she I love know, like right? when it comes together like that and you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> hallelujah. I'm like, oh, I did it. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> I'm actually seeing it. I know. I'm, I'm not crazy. I know, seriously, it's like the best. <laughs> No, I know. Sometimes you're like, I just know I'm not fucking crazy. I know. And that just validates it for me. Thank goodness. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So that was so cool. Those kinds of readings, they really stick out for me because I'm like, oh, like how cool is spirit and how how cool is that? So So super cool. It is the best. Yes. So speaking of clairvoyance, do things Mm -hmm. come to you that way or? I was just going to ask you. (laughs) Clearly you're seeing, obviously you're seeing things. Are you hearing as well? Because you're conveying messages. Are you also feeling in your body? Like what's it for you? I do. Yeah. So I feel like I get a little bit of everything. Clairvoyance is definitely the strongest. And I would say followed by claircognizance or clairsentience, because I'll say a lot like, oh, I feel this or I see this. Oh, I just heard (laughs) this. You know, like, oh, why am I getting the Uh the chills? You know, so I definitely can tell there have been times when I've tasted popcorn or, you know, it's just like, oh, I like smell something, you know, so I definitely get bits of everything, but some happen more often than others. What about you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Similarly, I think I would say my feeling is probably at the bottom. My mom has that gift more than I do. It's actually become much more unusual for people because they're so disconnected from their physical bodies that you don't see that in many people. Definitely the clairvoyance and the clairaudience. Clairaudience is probably my strongest. Oh, awesome. Clairvoyance though as well and claircognizance. I mean, you're, you're looking at very similar and it often depends on the person as well because if you're working with other people's guides, it really depends on what is easiest for them to grasp as well. Yeah. It just varies. Oh, I love it. <laughs> no, but I totally get you. Yeah. So when did you realize that you were able to communicate with the other side? Yeah. I was going to ask you the same. So I was quite young when I was seeing and hearing things and I just thought, okay, I don't know. When you're little, it's just there. And then at some point it kind of disappears. I think for most, it sort of disappears in your teens because you don't want that it's awkward. It's odd. I think I was so trying to deal with my own karma and figuring out my power. But then again, things happen and then they always kind of bring you back. So after I had met one of my mentors who introduced me to Ellen and I had my first session, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then I think it just slowly came together after that. I don't know. Did I explain that? Like, am I actually answering your question? (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. (laughs) And then at some point, yes, it all kind of slowly came back. But I would say the clairaudience came before the clairvoyance came back. And then it all just came together. And then I use a pendulum as really the main part of how I connect. And so my pendulum work, I think I started using that sometime 21, 22. So... Yeah. And then that's been it since. Nice. Okay. So with the pendulum, are you doing yes, no questions? Is it sort of more than that? It's more than that at this stage. (laughs) So I use the pendulum in my energy healing. I do it to assess the chakras. That's what I was taught to do. And you use that. And then I dabbled in it a Mm -hmm. bit more as far as like the yes, no, like maybe. So I'm curious, what are some more ways to use the pendulum beyond that? Oh, well, you're great with questions. I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, Let's go here. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's really great. You know, it's so funny because I do teach pendulum to people and I have some clients who are just, I just don't know a client. I mean, they're just 
people who come in just to learn. And so many of them are so connected and talented. And the ones I find who get frustrated will say, I'm so good at everything I do that I don't know why this doesn't work for me so well. They get a great spin or something. They have the energy flowing, but they lack the focus. And the one thing that is great about Pendulum because you have to focus is that you can develop incredible discernment in a short amount of time. So regular practice, and by regular, I don't mean hours a day. It's more of like pick it up for a few minutes because sitting in the light is so addictive that people want that more and more. And you're kind of like, well, you're not here just to sit in your chair and like, you know, masturbate with a pendulum. It's just, that's not cool. So, you know, it's really about, can you just use that as a tool to facilitate this connection? As we said, this connection to guidance is really the most important one that you can develop spiritually when it comes to a spiritual practice and exploring your divinity. And so once you can do that is when you can maybe start moving from yes, no questions to deeper things because you start to hear, right? Perhaps you start getting a knowing in your body. Perhaps you start getting a hit. And then suddenly certain ideas start to come to you. Maybe a song will pop into your head, you know, or you'll wake up from a dream and you're like, how did I know this? And that connection, just the more you experience it, the greater it is. And yeah, I just have always found Pendulum just to be a fantastic tool. It's like a gateway divination tool. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. 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 So, okay. <laughs> I know I'm like all over the place, but no, no, you said good. the word masturbate. Oh. <laughs> so that made me start to think, oh yeah, she wrote 14 erotic oh. novels. I did. Well, erotic romance, dirty romance. What? Yeah. So <laughs> can I ask... I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever met an erotic novelist. So how do you decide (laughs) to write those? (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know, I didn't. And I think it's really funny that it ever happened. I'd written some books, like just women's fiction type things. I first started writing when I was living in LA. And then I moved to Brazil. And at some point I was like, I'm just going to keep writing. There was a book I'd written and I was just going to work on it. And then I was getting really frustrated going down the sort of publishing route. And I remember at the time I was living in New York. So I just moved to New York from Brazil. This was after Fifty Shades came out. And I was like, this is really damaging stuff. This is something really wrong. And I don't mean that in a judgy way. I really mean that as I did a deep dive because we had the New York Times and I was looking at the New York Times bestseller list. And what I never understood because I never paid attention to lists was the best-selling books within romance because of Fifty Shades were all copycat stories. And if you ever read, like (laughs) I had never read any of these and I was like, he's raping her. What is this? Oh my God. She just got on her knees to give him a blowjob so he'd pay for her brother's care. Like there was just some fucked up dynamics. And I thought, how toxic. And then I was like, wait, I used to work in a library in Carmel Valley. That was my high school job. And I remember how many Harlequin romances I used to shelve. And I was like, wait, there is a reason why romance is a billion dollar industry because people are consuming these stories over and over again. And I'm trying to remember, there was a guy who'd written a book, excuse me, I don't remember his name, but he really talked about how susceptible our brains are to story and how much we take on just by reading stories. And I thought that is why so many relationships are so toxic. That is why people are entering marriages that are so transactional because it is really difficult to distinguish romance from real life. 
And that creates a lot of skewed expectations. And I thought, all right. So I was talking to a friend of mine and I was like, you know what? Let me just see if I can write one of these. (laughs) Just one, a little novella, because at the time, novellas were quite popular and it's just, they would turn into trilogies. I was like, oh, just a little 40 page thing. I wrote it in a couple of days. It reads like I wrote it in a couple of days. I wrote one and then I thought, oh, wait, I could see that she's going to have more to her story. And it was called Why a Gilded Lily. So it's about this girl named Lily Barron. And having just lived in Brazil, she hooks up with a Brazilian air and stuff like that. And then I was like, oh, let's see where Lily goes. And so then it became Calla Lily and then Tiger Lily. And then she had a twin because like I played on all the romance tropes. And so her twin had a trilogy. And then their best friend had a trilogy. And then I did a spinoff series. It was like interesting because <laughs> much to my husband's dismay, I wrote without an outline. I write without outlines. And so I just, every book was always my last one because I could never see where it was going. And I actually never perceived that it was an entire saga and universe that I created. I just took it one book at a time. And it's ironic to me, but it's very true. Even though I can see the future, I try hard to not do that and apply that to my own life as much as I am able to, because I'm sure you know it's almost unavoidable. (laughs) You might get glimpses and you're like, I didn't need to know that. (laughs) I don't know. For me, I do. And I'm like, oh, I know this, but maybe I just don't want to know it and have it in my present mind. Because it ends up, if you see your future, you're going to live for that particular outcome. It's just the way your brain is wired. It's just how we live. And you never really want to consciously as in just your mind, your limited mind to navigate the course of your fate, because again, that limits your possibility. So it's helpful to have a very open mind. So I approached this series very much the way I try to approach my life, which was, I don't know where this is going. And isn't it going to be interesting to see how it goes? And so I just kind of kept going until I figured out it was time to stop. So, (laughs) and erotic romance was just a really good fit for me. Oh, I love that. I feel like that's kind of, like you said, that's just kind of how Mm, this work is too. For me, it's all about intuition. I love that idea of not using an outline. I'm very much intuitively guided as a person. So for me, I just kind of have to go with what feels right next. And I don't Mm, plan out too much. So yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yes. Were you always like that, would you say? Or do you think it's part of your kind of quote unquote spiritual nature? Because I think there are a lot of people who struggle with how to do that or to do that. And I would love for people to kind of get to that point of faith in their lives that they would be able to trust things will be okay. Absolutely. Well, I am somebody who always likes to be comfortable. So for me, it's more about, well, how am I going to feel at the moment? It used to cause me to be a bit, I think, flakier with meeting up with friends because at the time it sounds good. And then the time comes to hang out and I'm like, oh, I really am not feeling it. I want to stay home. So (laughs) I used to be a bit flakier, I think, because of it. I don't like routine. Like it's really hard for me to stick with a routine because I may be feeling it one day. And if I'm not feeling it the next day, it's really hard for me to want to continue on with something. I'm so much guided by how does it feel at the moment. I'm trying to remember, has it always been that way? Maybe, but I feel way more conscientious about it now. Mm. So Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I don't know. No, I would usually just fly by the seat of my pants. I never gave a shit about consequences, which is part of my issue in my teen years, but it suited me. And I think 
it was just, okay, I'll just do that now. Cause that seems, I don't know, just in my gut, that's what I would usually follow. But there was a period, but it was more after I met my husband, who is very much a sort of linear black and white thinker, cause he's a lawyer. And so for me, I think it actually made me take a step back and it wasn't really my best period, I would say. I think it was because I was newly married and I was trying to prove that, oh, I could be so adult. I mean, that kind of level of self-denial is just a little unhealthy. I came back to myself, but it was a little bit of a journey, I'd have to say, just because I was not my best self. I think my best self is somebody who, Mm -hmm, again, mm -hmm. doesn't plan a lot. Yeah, I'm the same way. And I hate when I get busy, even though a lot of me getting busy right now is my doing, but I enjoy podcasting. I enjoy recording. I enjoy that stuff. So that kind of busy is okay. But I hate when it's like there's no free time in the day. Maybe that's just a recharge thing. I don't know. But if I can get multiple days off of nothing and not commit to too many things, that's what makes me feel better. That makes sense. More charged. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, how did you meet your partner that you work with? Oh, Rhea. Yeah. She's so fun. We met at the gym. (laughs) We were both members. I'm just down the road from an Equinox here in London. And we would attend the same dance class. And she likes to joke. She even wrote this, but I that I pirouetted in her personal space. But we were in the same class for like a year. <laughs> and I thought she was like too cool to ever talk to me. And I think she just thought I was like too weird to talk to. And then at some point, somebody mentioned that I did woo-woo stuff. And she was like, I like woo-woo stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. And then she was like, I want to have a session with you. And I was like, um, okay, cool. That's fine. <laughs> and then That same day, she shows up at my door like, it's today. And I was like, okay, nice. And then she had a session with me and she thought it was really amazing, her words, or like cool. And then we just started chatting. So then that kind of opened a door where we just kind of developed a friendship. And that every time we'd see each other at the gym, we would just take extra time to chat and text. And then at one point, because I actually remembered it the other way around where she, I thought she mentioned doing a podcast together. And then I realized that I'm actually the one who went up to her and was like, would you want to do a podcast? Wouldn't it be great? She's got the receipts too. So I can't just this. <laughs> I approached her. I was like, let's do a podcast. She was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. She's awesome. Oh, that sounds fantastic. She's like so willing. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so she's into woo woo. Like you said, is she also mm. connected or? Yeah, she is. She has an incredible yeah. connection. Yeah, yeah. She's quite witchy and she does incredible readings for people and she's definitely mastered pendulum. So yeah, 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 she's incredible. Yeah, I mean, we've worked so closely for the past four years, I would say. Trying to remember when we met. I think we dropped our first podcast episodes in 2019. So yeah, I mean, and it it was almost daily work, even in lockdown. That's really great because I think that a lot of people may have aspirations to do something with something they just (laughs) met, but to actually do it, stick with it all these years later and and still be going strong. I think that just means it was a, it was a match made in heaven. It was meant to be, it was, you finally found each other again in this life. It (laughs) is really incredible. And I think that sometimes we acknowledge it and we're like, that's really great. And other times we just take it for granted. I mean, I can't say it's been totally easy. There's times when she's wanted to quit because it's not easy. I mean, 
spiritual, and I don't know if you would attest to this or not, but what people have to really understand, especially right now, because we're seeing such a growth in the sort of spiritual well-being arena, which is ever expanding and ballooning and is really going to start to become this massive bubble, is that the actual spiritual path and one in which you are seeking divine connection, right? Union with the divine, it fucking sucks. It is so hard. Like even I can cry. It tears you apart because you cannot grasp onto anything you have ever known and be convinced that you can take that with you. Nothing survives. So little survives that journey. I can't believe I just used the word journey twice in this interview. It's not really something I use. But that spiritual path is hard. It's hard as fuck. And even as a facilitator and as somebody who was sort of her like in-person guide, it's hard to watch somebody go through it. And I know, <laughs> just like I know for myself, oh, no, I would have done it again and 10 times over because it's what I was here for. But a lot of people don't understand when they sign up for that, it's hard. And I know that there are times that she really wanted to quit because of her heart of God. But it's also testament to her resilience that she could stick with it and that she is where she is now. But I think most people, they want the quick fixes. They're looking at all the modalities out there and they're thinking, okay, which is the one that's going to get me what I think I want, right? What is the quickest way in which I'm going to be able to manifest X, Y, Z things and tell me the secret to it? It doesn't work that way. If you truly desire that connection, you truly desire that power because it is real. As you know, that connection will breed so much power that you will have the life that you really want and desire. But to get there means allowing so many things to die, including yourself. And watching people do it is just not yeah. always easy. I had told Rhea, I was like, I will never do this with another person the rest of my life. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always rainbows and butterflies. That's for sure. Not in this industry. Industry. No. No. And I don't wish yeah. it for people. That's why we started Karma's My Bitch. So you can make karma your bitch. Because... There is a way to do it where you don't have to suffer. Like, yes, you have to face your shadow. Yes, you have to face the pain that you've already created, but you don't have to create new pain. You don't have to reinvent all the old hurts. It's just allowing it to surface to move through it. And it is pretty much the shortest path you could be offered while you're still in body. And that's what I want for people. I really don't want people trying to shortcut in ways where, you know, two years later, they're back where they started, or they think that like a quick ayahuasca retreat is going to fix it. Cause usually that's just going to like bring up more shit. Everyone's trying to find that shortcut. It's that Holy grail at the moment. And it, most yeah. of it just doesn't work. I guess. How does one discern if it's something they should pursue or not? Well, what would you tell them? Well, <sighs> well, there's the spiritual side of what does your intuition say? And then there's also the more human side of, well, you should Google them and look for reviews. <laughs> and see, you know, How many stars on Yelp like, do they get? <laughs> How many stars? <laughs> you know, I think it just kind of depends. But you're right, because there's so many different possibilities out there and so many routes that one could take in hopes for a quick fix, but you don't want people to be taken advantage of. And how do you keep that from happening, especially yeah. if they're in a position of vulnerability? Oh, yeah. No, you don't. It could be hard. There's no way. There's no way. I think people yeah. are falling for it left and right. 
maybe we just hope in time that the people who work with integrity will prevail. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That's a really yeah. nice hope, I think. Yeah. Genuinely speaking, I don't mean like, oh yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, genuinely, I really do hope for that. Yeah. I'm really hoping people are going to start seeing through a lot of the mirages that exist. I think people are, but I don't think in my own personal view, which is not soon enough. Sure, sure. Yeah. Not without some damage but being done okay. beforehand, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it just sucks watching it, you yeah. know, especially if these people are like out there just selling their books and yeah. promising that if you follow the rules that, you know, marriage will be better or you'll get the one for you. And I mean, I just, I can't. Yeah, right. No, I, yeah, I get it. You know, maybe it just requires platforms like this or podcasting or however we can put our voice out there to try and help educate as many people as we possibly can and just hope to reach them that way. So, okay, Liz, this has been such a great conversation. Oh, First you. of all, can you share, and I'll put it in the show notes as okay. well, but share where people can reach you. Oh, yes. My Instagram is I am Liz Hayes and for the podcast Insta is at we are KMB. And my website is elizabethannhayes.com. And all of my books, my romance is written under the pen name Vivian Winslow. And our podcast is Karma's My Bitch. And just look out for it because we'll be doing more things when our books come out and stuff later this year. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thank Fantastic. you. Wonderful. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. Now, to help wrap up okay. our interview, uh -huh. do you, Liz, have any guidance from the other side that you'd like to give the listener, sort of like a timeless message for when they hear this episode? Oh, timeless. Oh, wow. Would you mind if I shared two tidbits, one for this year from guidance? Please, whatever you want. Oh, yes. well, okay. So a message that came through at the very end of January was one of the most helpful ways to look at 2023 is it's the sort of year where on the spiritual path, you don't get do-overs, right? You just get opportunities to do things differently, but nothing could ever be the same or necessarily repeated because you're always a different person from one second to the next. You're living and you're breathing. Ultimately, you're here to grow and evolve. But 2023, interestingly, is the year in which we get to live out that saying, if I knew then what I know now, what would I do? And this is the year we get to do things differently if we bring our full consciousness to it. So it's not always about, well, I'm just going to do the opposite of what I did. Sometimes doing things differently is maybe one thing looks similar, but maybe we're doing it more openly and maybe we're communicating more clearly about what our intentions are. You don't have to throw yourself into something and say, all right, I'm just going to do it all differently. It's, it's really about just taking a very conscious approach to things. And the one, as you said, timeless piece of advice that I can share based on my own experiences throughout my life is live honestly. And by that, I mean, you can only be yourself at every turn. And it just doesn't help to be the person that you think is going to attract the guy you have a crush on. Oh, that girl that you fantasize about or getting that job that you want if you can just fulfill all the expectations you think others have of you. And if you could truly live honestly, you will be so much more satisfied with where your life has gone. I know that requires a lot of faith and trust, but apply that to yourself and you'll be so surprised by how much the world will step up and greet you. 
That's my yeah. advice. And it seems so much less exhausting just to be yourself, <laughs> less energy. <laughs> I'm like, whatever makes me comfortable. <laughs> I think it's easy for those of us in our 40s to be able to give that advice. I think, yeah. <sighs> yeah. I think when you're younger and, oh, you, yeah. Oh, yeah. and you haven't been given the room or you haven't given yourself the permission to say, fuck it. And that's what we need more people yeah. in the world to do. Yeah. Maybe we can just let this year be the fuck it year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what I'll title this Yay. episode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, Liz, thank you so much for your okay. time. I really appreciate you thank and you for sharing so your much. wisdom and your story. So Likewise, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. another episode of a guided life podcast thank you so much for tuning in and until next time love and light always hey it's radley valentine Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.